0: It's 6.27 p.m.
1: And welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sansbury <laughs> So here we are, the end of a very, very hot, then very, very damp week. It is ghastly moist
2: today it really is uh we got the dog out earlier which is
1: great but managed to get back before
2: the old biblical thunderstorms broke across Cosham, and it was uh yeah it was all very
1: untoward well you could say it was thunder lightning very very frightening
2: yes but then we'd be back in the 70s first real video wasn't it yeah yeah remember it with fondness
1: how's your week been old chum uh, um not too bad not too bad um Nothing really to kind of of note. Preparing for an influx of two birth- two family birthdays next week, which I'm sure we both know about. But um, but yeah, otherwise um, you know can't really complain. So yours been okay? Non-stop media, darling. Non-stop media. Oh yes, it was your your first um, performance. Sorry, your first appearance on um, on a certain news organization.
2: Yeah, let's give him a shout out GB News. So, interesting. No, it was, uh, it was all done remotely, so it was all perfectly possible. And uh, although I, a little unfair based on my, my local stereotyping, that they selected a, a policy where I had no option but to, a- to attack the government stance. So, uh, oh. yes, it was all very, uh, all very sensible, a bit nervy, but was fine. But then spent the day in London filming on behalf of of guide dogs um with a piece of work we're doing for our digital media wow! which was even more unnerving because that was that was we need you to go into makeup now which you think oh well poor poor lady's got a work cut out there so
1: yeah i was going to say yeah. this, this um, there's only so much one can do uh with with a bit of foundation and eyeliner um as um yeah um so um it wasn't only us that had interesting weeks was it the um so last week's show we talked about the pending full council meeting that was due to take place on the monday which never happened no Well it, it started and then it finished <laughs> yes
2: yeah our usual sweepstake of how many hours will it run um well no one was anywhere close to collecting on those uh on those odds
1: uh, no, they um, they did indeed. Um, they did yes. Yeah. So w- what happened quickly before we because we've got a tax show.
2: Yep. So as as you know, we understand it. There was a so on the Friday, the, some of the Conservative councillors met with Matt Atkins. Um, Matt Atkins tested positive for coronavirus on the Saturday, and hopefully is uh, is uh, through the worst of that and starting to feel better. Um, so none of the Conservative councillors got the track and trace. Ping so all took a a lateral flow test on the Monday morning, all came back negative, so proceeded to the Guild Hall to allow the meeting to proceed. Um, There was then a discussion about what had taken place. Obviously, they revealed that Matt wasn't going to be there, Um, and I'm not sure who the decision maker was, but the decision was taken that the meeting should be suspended, postponed, cancelled, and everybody went home, and then there was quite a bit of muttering on on social media as to whether it had been appropriate that the Conservative councillors had turned up at all.
1: Yeah, it seemed an interesting local replay of what happened to Boris Johnson and Rishi Sunak over the weekend.
2: Yeah, a little bit, although there was an element of uh, the, the Boris and Rishi said, oh, we're taking part in this new thing because both of those had been pinged by Track and Trace and told to self-isolate. And they said, we're going to do a different thing. And then everybody got very cross about one rule for one and one for the other to which they said oh sorry did we say we're going to do the thing no we're not doing the thing we're going in self-isolating now so yeah it's my understanding that none of the councillors have other councillors have tested positive or had to go into self-isolation so yes yeah there was a bit of bit of crump thing um but uh yeah the, well the good news is that um it looks like nobody has been infected so well. Uh, I guess well, i will have to reschedule the, what was looking like a pretty big old thing anyway.
1: Yeah, so it looks like, so although, um, so we talked last week about some really big parts of it, and this week we still wanted to talk about um, another two actually really large parts of it, which are mm. the um, the motion uh, from Jeanette Smith and Claire Udi uh, about pesticides, which we've got um, Jeanette joining us um, in a second uh, to talk about that, um, and then actually talking about the um, the adoption of the local transport plan part four for which we've got um, cabinet member for traffic and transport Lin- councillor Lynn Smith and her and her Labour opposite number um, councillor Graham Heaney and um, they'll both be joining us uh, later on in the show so uh, yeah so despite the meeting being cancelled we still wanted to give um, give listeners a chance to hear what those issues are about but it sounds like the agenda will literally be transplanted to the next meeting which is actually in October.
2: Oh, so a, a big old move to the right so have we got Jeanette in the meeting waiting? we we
1: have indeed so let's let's get Jeanette in so to... marvellous yes I can, oh,
2: can You hear me? brilliant
1: yes Marvelous. we can we just ah oh, fantastic we didn't have we didn't have video for a second then um we we thought the technical um the technical gods had um fried off on us with the weather as well uh thank oh, you very good. much for joining us
2: but Jeanette, well, welcome to the podcast. Thanks ever so much for taking the time to come on. It's uh, it's it's lovely to have you join us. Um, so, could you just interview uh, introduce yourself and um, perhaps give us a little background on uh, the Progressive Portsmouth People's Group?
3: Well, I'm glad you got the name right <laughs> because the people keep mixing um mixing it around. Um, I'm Councillor Jeanette Smith for Baffins Ward. I was elected in 2018. Um, under a Lib Dem banner at that point Um, for various reasons I left the Lib Dems um, and with uh, Councillor Udi became Progressive Portsmouth People Group it's not a party it's a group yes Uh, and the reason why we've done that is so we can get um, more seats on more committees um, and feel that we can do more of an impact as independents um, than we can in um, sort of group politics really so Uh, for us it's about um, not just getting our own agenda um, on the um, statute books it's also to um, give a different take on politics Um, it doesn't have to be aggressive it doesn't have to be um, just main party political um, issues it should be especially at council level issues that relate to local people
2: Uh, that's excellent do you you find that the 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 major parties are becoming more receptive to dialogue. Are they still sat in their uh, their individual camps, eyeing you suspiciously?
3: Unfortunately, not. They're still sat in their little um, ivory towers and um, don't really have uh, much dialogue. Um, I have to say, um, I'm hopeful that might change with the new crop of councillors that have come in. Obviously, we've got an independent with George Madwick. Mm. Um, uh, Kimberly Barrett um, has um, discussed um, the uh, motion that I put in um, because that is her portfolio. Um, And um, she's willing to have that dialogue. So um, I'm hopeful that the new crop will um, bear fruit that we can um, get things done for the city rather than sitting in our own little corners. Um, But unfortunately that didn't work on the full council meeting because we didn't have it.
1: No, no. Un- unfortunately, there was a very large spanner chucked in the works, wasn't there? Um, <laughs> best best laid plans um, and all that. Um, but hopefully and thankfully, everybody is safe and well. That's the that's the key thing. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so, so this motion. I don't know whether whether you wanted to speak to it or um, whether it's easier to, to read it out, because because the actual motion itself kind of lays out quite clearly what you know what what it's about. So, what's the what's the yeah? What's it about? I, can,
3: I can sort of um, read it out because obviously people might not have seen the actual motion um, it, itself, um, and it is quite sort of self-explanatory. Um, the reason why um, I put this down as a, a motion was. Um, all our motions that we put in with um, from the progressive Portsmouth people is from residents and our constituents in in whether it's Charles Dickens um, or whether it's Baffins um, and um, that is the way I believe that politics should be you know it should um, motions should be not my own personal agenda but it should be what's sort of coming through. So uh, two allotment holders came to me. Quite a while ago, um, about 14-15 months ago, um, saying about pesticide use um, and I try and do things in an informal way so um, I went to the cabinet member at that point, which was um, Steve Pitt at that point, um, to try and sort of get something done um, and unfortunately the wheels turn very slowly uh, within the council um, and um, I then decided it's time to have a motion rather than just try and do things behind the scenes. So the notice of the motion, um, um, and I'll read it out, was at last count, 38 different toxic pesticides were being used in UK towns and cities. They are sprayed in parks, playgrounds and other green spaces, road verges, pavements and around shopping centres, hospitals and schools. Almost all of the pesticides used are weed killers designed to do nothing more than keep places looking neat and tidy. These chemicals are linked to an array of health problems including cancer, asthma, birth defects and reproductive issues. Vulnerable groups such as children, pregnant mothers and the elderly are particularly at risk. Wildlife such as bees, birds and hedgehogs are increasingly seeking refuge in our towns and cities However, the overuse of pesticides in urban areas is contaminating the natural resources that they depend upon. Our pets can also be susceptible to pesticide poisoning. But urban pesticide use is unnecessary. There are many viable and cost-effective non-chemical alternatives available, and more than 60 towns and cities across the UK have already taken action to end or significantly reduce their pesticide use. This council calls on the administration to immediately ban the use of all pest, forms of pesticide use on all areas of land under the authority's control and change to non chemical alternatives, including planting urban wildlife meadows. Now, um, there's been a lot of motions and talk about the green agenda um, across many um, council meetings. And this is such a simple one that I'd, I wasn't quite sure why it wasn't looked at first and sort of done, um, so from a council point of view and authority-wide, we are leading the way with the green agenda and the sort of pesticide use. I think um, since putting in that motion, I think that people have been divided into two camps. They either see it as a solution, pesticides, or they see it as a problem. Mm. Um, and we've got to sort of investigate the use of these pesticides about how they are affecting health, um, how they are affecting sort of the crops that are sort of grown and do we really need to um, get rid of the plants that, because what it does is basically it kills plants that we don't like Mm. because weeds are plants, you know, whichever way you sort of um, cut it. So it really depends on whether, um, we are using pesticides for the right reasons, or there are so many alternatives now to pesticides that we can actually move away from them. Um, but But what we do is that we argue about the cheap option, which pesticides are, rather than a creative option.
2: And I guess, does that speak to, Jeanette, the, the fact that there there could be, you know, there, there could be times when it is appropriate. Um, I'm thinking about, you know, sports pitches and, and, and keeping them all grass rather than a mix. Or, you know, again, you, you spoke in the motion about, you know, some, some effectively about them being sprayed curbside. Obviously, I, I'm guessing that's to keep invasive weeds from breaking up paving areas. And so I guess in terms of, uh, it would seem that there are some easy alternatives, or some areas where we can be more relaxed about the way what's growing in that space, and there are some areas where perhaps the the answers are more complex and nuanced.
3: Yeah, and um, sometimes when we talk about pesticides, we don't talk about them locally. We're talking about um, farming and you mm. know the use of industrial sized um, areas for pesticides. For crop, um, getting the most crops that you can out of sort of the land, mm. um, I think that's a different argument to the sports pitch and the um, the verges. And you can even sort of break it up and say, right, can we use no pesticides um, near allotments and um, verges and things like that? But is there an, an alternative to sports pitches? But we don't seem to it is. The problem is when we argue with these, these things about sort of pesticides or some other issues, is all or nothing. Mm. Instead of just splitting it all off and saying, right, okay, we can reduce and have no pesticides here, but it's going to take us time to get a natural alternative for, say, something like a football pitch. Yes. But we tend not to do anything at all until we can get it all done. Um, and, you know, I think a gradual approach but uh, um, an approach that says we are looking at a green alternative and an alternative to pesticides, even if that takes two, three years, would um, satisfy the argument that at least we're working towards that.
2: Mm. So what, what do you see as the implications of PCC just continuing to use pesticides?
3: Well, I think that they would then have a problem with their green agenda. Mm. Um, I think they would then, um, it, it doesn't sort of fit everything that they need to do for biodiversity and, and um, that agenda. It doesn't, um, it's not the cheap option um, because pesticides are, um, cost more than the cheap options do. Um, and I think they just need to also lead the way in these things, especially um, not just Portsmouth um, local authority, but other local authorities um, it starts with them. Um, some of these agendas, not um, sort of jumping on a bandwagon uh, um, because it's good to do that. So um, we use more pesticides in Portsmouth than we should do, and we have done for years um, we, at, at a cost because it's cheaper in the long run to get rid of the weeds, mm. so they think. But on the on the, if you look at the books, it costs thousands of pounds more to do that. And you could get communities involved. The, you know, there's community gardens around. There's obviously back into Pond Association around um, who could help with that biodiversity and moving away from pesticides if you get the community involved. So there's a lot of benefits to doing it. Um,
1: I don't see a lot of um, reasons not to do it. So is that, is apart that, from cost. Yeah, and what it's, it it, does, it sounds like, um, it, it sounds like, you know, if if um if the administration prepared to be a, a ma- imaginative and kind of open minded about what the solutions might be, it kind of seems like, you know, what you're what you're saying is, actually, we know that there might be some specific particular specialised situations that we can't yet quite solve. But actually, for all the others, they're a bit of a no brainer. Yeah. So why don't we just do that? Um, yeah. So, what what have the what have the administration said in said in response? Have they given an answer as to why we, why they use pesticides?
3: Um, no, they haven't given an answer to that because it's taken sort of so long to um, you know get officers um, around, and of course we've had sort of COVID in between. Yeah. Um, but I do have to say um, now, um, councillor Kimberly Barrett is um, on the scene. Um, she's had at least two conversations with me. Um, and was supportive of the motion. Um, I don't know exactly what the answer was going to be um, but I can sort of guess it is that they were working towards um, removing pesticides um, and, uh, but I don't want to put words into her mouth obviously no. um, well, but um, he was very supportive of um, the motion and the, the direction that we wanted to go. Um, I think I was being ambitious about saying uh, with immediate effect because uh the um, unfortunately councils don't uh, do anything with immediate effect it's always months in advance so um but um and and i'm um gonna have another meeting with her um unfortunately she's um self isolating at the moment but um i will have a meeting with her and um this will still be on the agenda so yeah um, i'm picking up good vibes from um councillor barrett anyway so well, that- um that's that's pleasing that to Uh, get this far yeah it it um and even though the motion wasn't heard and it will be heard at another meeting we might be able to do a lot more in between that meeting anyway
1: yeah so hopefully with the delay of the meeting hopefully you it sounds like maybe with with the right kind of heads in the right space you will actually have be able to present um present an answer um and a solution to the you know to full council rather than actually still posing the question so that that does at least sound uh, sound like progress. As it happens. Um, Councillor Barrett's put some comments in the in the live stream, so um, yeah. so she's she's following on live. So yeah. um, so I'll, I'll just read out her responses as as well, just to, just to kind of mirror what what you're saying, Jeanette, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, what she said, it's a really good motion, and she's glad that um, that it's been brought forward, uh, as Jeanette has mentioned. Uh, she's had a chat with her about it, and it was a really great talk. Uh, she's gutted that we didn't get to go through it at full council. Um, the steps the council did, um, um, to go through it at full council, with the steps the council is taking, but looks forward to doing it at the next uh, full council. It is something um, she's also passionate about. Um, so it's great uh, to be talking and about it and looking uh, looking forward. Um, she also mentions that they've trialed some alternatives already, and are, and are looking to trial uh, some more as well. So hopefully, it sounds like. Yep. after a kind of a period of silence this this mm. kind of one seems to be seems to be cooking and moving along which is which is good yeah. news
2: Yeah, and i guess sometimes you know it shows that you have to shake the tree a little bit harder and and, and perhaps just by bringing the motion forward that has given the uh the, the nudge it needed to get the impetus mm. to get this moving forward collectively
3: yeah um and i and i would say you know um if egos aren't in the way, and it's um, it's sort of about uh, professional working with sort of counsellors, um, um, and you know, counsellor Barrett and and I do have that professional working relationship, and that is that is good, and I think this is going to be the uh, profit of that. So um, I think it shows that it works when individual counsellors do get together and you know work things out without the group issues spoiling all
1: that yeah so kind of like a case of watch this green space as it is
2: yeah yeah excellent
1: Jeanette thanks ever so much for coming on and uh, all,
2: all the best for for uh, this motion and um, hopefully as we get into next year and towards election season we'll be able to uh, invite you back and, and have a couple more
1: conversations
3: you will all right you take care thanks, thanks so Jeanette. much thanks, thanks Jeanette. You. Take,
2: bye
1: yeah that's a you know that's um it seems fundamentally where there's a will right
2: yeah well, t- t- so often with you know again when you do when we take apart the, the 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 you know what's behind some of these things they do seem you know absolutely sensible and and i guess with something like the you know this it, oh, i can you know councils aren't naturally agile and they're not naturally you know Innovative, so the fact that they've probably been spraying weed killer for decades and it seems to have done the job, but no, you know, there's that element of nobody's probably gone back and said, do you, "Do you reckon we should still be doing that now? It is 2021, and you know, some, well, we've got an awful lot in the shed, mate. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be changing anything too quickly. So, yeah, hopefully, it sounds very positive that this one's getting the traction it deserves.
1: Indeed, um and it does, it does sound like hopefully um as we say, the the act of kind of putting it on the agenda for full council seems to have um moved move, moved things along a bit so sounds like there's there's a uh, there's a positive train of thought and a positive um positive direction there um with um, um with councilor barrett and um with councilor smith so we look forward to uh seeing that sorry lynn's just having a bit of trouble logging in one brief second. So we have got Graham in the waiting room. So while I just sort out, let if me. If you want to bring Graham in, Graham and I can have a chat, and yeah. uh, whilst you... you do the technical clever stuff. Graham,
2: welcome to the Pompey Politics podcast.
0: Hello, Simon. Hello, Ian.
2: Ah, uh-huh. how are you, chum? <laughs>
0: I'm okay, thank you. I was just clicking the continue thing to record because I had to do that first.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no problem at all. No problem at all. Um, Lynn's just having a, the odd technical difficulty that Simon is uh, is attempting to sort out. So we're just while we're waiting for Lynn to join us, okay. would you like to introduce yourself and uh, and uh, just give us a little bit of background?
0: Yeah, my name's Graham Heaney. I'm a Labour councillor for St Jude Ward. I was elected in 2019 and I'm the Labour Group spokesperson for traffic and transportation
2: marvellous and how are you finding life as a councillor
0: interesting i was on the council before for a period for caution from 1996 to 2004 um but that was 15 16 years ago so a lot has changed that's the interesting thing it's um it's like learning anew i can tell you it's quite interesting lots of things have changed
2: yes yeah, so i think that i think that's probably the same in every walk of life but um mm but um, particularly when it comes to local council, there, there, there does seem to be a, 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 the more we talk to councillors, there's a subtle clear nuance to it that I think the vast majority of people don't see yeah, you know, I found when I was
0: on Southampton City Council because I was a member over there. Dare I say, uh, for four years, lord, from eighty-six lord, to ninety. God, <laughs> good lord, that is a that's the, a the,
2: very bold claim. That's that's a taking game. your but life in it's your
0: hands. interesting to see the cultures of the two cities were quite different. Actually, being in Southampton, the the political culture and the way they did things was different. Partly because I think there was regular change of control because Labour and Conservative used to change control over periods of years. Whereas when I came to Portsmouth and got to the council there, they'd only been. Uh, a, a, a relatively short period of, of noble control before labor got a majority and so prior to that conservatives controlled the city for many 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 years without any uh, so so the cultures were different and that was interesting mm. to see
2: yeah and we've got this interesting culture in portsmouth haven't we where where no overall control looks that looks the favorite going forward and i guess from the point of view of being the the third party uh, currently do, do you think that gives you more opportunity to influence? Yes, it does in many
0: ways because the the, the cabinet system means obviously that cabinet members have got more ability to make decisions on a sort of month by month basis, and we're not there to vote on them, so to speak. But when it comes to strategies and policies, and also motions to council, we can influence things, and we will. You know, we we do we do way up, and we do talk to the administration we will support them where we think they're doing things that are good and sometimes we won't agree but you know
1: we so you do have some influence yes yeah we now have lynn just joining us lynn welcome
0: so now i listen to radio four in the mornings and they're always having problems with connecting to talk to people on phones because it's all mobile technology and it's terrible it's like ancient so why don't you use, don't you use a landline you get this so much easier yeah no it's
2: it's um <laughs> uh, we we chatted at the start of the show Graham. i did i i had my my first outing on uh, on gb news on wednesday and of course everything was fine until about 4 minutes before i was due to go live when Ooh. suddenly that message that says your internet connection is unstable started bubbling out on the screen it's like oh. Not now.
0: Yeah, you <laughs> any time but now. Yeah. But now, but not not for your
2: not for your national yeah, debut. not. You know, there was a not. lot of hammering of keys and changing of uh,
1: networks, and we finally got there. So. Hmm. Well, according to my screen, I've got two Lynns joining the meeting, so this could be interesting. Lynn, can you hear and see us?
4: Um. Yes, I can.
1: Marvellous.
4: Yes. Um, hang on, hang on. Your your email the, it just totally
1: disappeared. Oh. Crikey! Right. Well, sorry That's about the right. sorry about the gremlins. Um, glad we got there in the end. Thank you for persevering. Um, That's all right. So we've we've asked. So now that you're now that you've just literally rushed in the door. Um, so Graham's done his int- introduction. So we'll we'll let you do yours. Um, if you can just introduce yourself and um, who you who you represent.
4: Yes. Can I just warn you? I have a lunatic dog who will interfere with with um, if people come on yeah He doesn't like the sound. Okay. Yes. Okay. I'm Lynn stagg I'm, I'm one of the Baffin's Ward councillors and I'm the Cabinet Member for Traffic and Transportation.
1: Fantastic.
2: Oh, Marvellous. Lynn, welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. Lovely to have you on. Oh,
4: thank
1: you. Okay, so um so let's get into the let's get into the questions. So this this first one to Lynn and um and then we'll do a question to Graham um and we'll also give you a chance to to respond to um to Lynn's responses as well. So so, in a nutshell, here's the here's the thing to kind of boil down. We're asking you to boil down like 64 pages of documents into about 30 seconds worth of um, um, sound bites. So, good luck with this. Yeah. Um, so, what's the what's the purpose of the transplant tra- transport plan? Sorry, the tra- yeah, the transport plan. I need to transplant the transport <laughs> plan. Um, how does it follow on from the others?
4: Well, the transport um, plan. Every lo- local transport authority has to write one. Um, and this is the fourth one that this has been around um, and it, so it's our legal duty and it, it's, it's in order to um, support all users of the public highway. Um, so it comes into various separate parts. First of all, there is a strategy. Um, so you, you're picking up the, the main points that you want to um, sort of uh, deliver, um, but then you have a plan, which is how to implement um, that strategy. So the way we've done it, um, I think we, which everybody else does, we identified the problems um, related to traffic um, and transport in the city. Um, we also look at the, um, the main priorities of the city and we've addressed um, both the, the problems or the solutions to the problems um, to the strategy, to, to the um, policies. Um, and that covers a lot of things, including, but not ex exclusively, um, uh, air pollution, um, congestion, um, lack of space, um, amongst other things, and and better transport, public transport, um, because we have too many vehicles in the city for the amount of space that we've got. Um, I think I'm right in saying that we've now got, on average, 1.3 cars registered to each household in Portsmouth. And when you bear in mind that thirty-three percent of um, the households in Portsmouth do not have access to a car at all, um, it means that it's concentrated in just a small minority. About forty percent, twenty percent of the population, about forty-seven percent have just one car, and but and twenty percent have more than one. And that those are the contributors towards traffic congestion. And with traffic congestion, you have air pollution, and um, that affects lots of things.
1: Okay, so. Sorry,
2: go on. Yeah. So it's it's always a you know you've 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 either been bad in a previous life, Lynn, or or you're just incredibly <laughs> brave to have the the, the transport arrangements. So, I
4: volunteered to do well, it. Well, that, that I'm then passionate then, about it.
2: That, well, that and again that that, that is a noble endeavour. I guess within that plan, are there one or two highlights that you're particularly proud of?
4: Well, yes, I think the fact that we've got for the first time, I think ever, we have an integrated fully integrated transport plan, which will is at the moment lasting for 17 years. I'm not saying it's going to be static for 17 years, but Mm. we have got a plan um, that at the end of 17 years, we should have a fully integrated um, uh, transport um, system plan um, map for the whole city. So it's integrating um, the the private car, um, EV um, charging points, um, improving public transport, Um, and so on and so forth. And that, I think, is important because we will then hopefully have given residents access to the best way to travel around um, the city. And that's the important thing because travel around the city is not that brilliant at the moment for lots of reasons, such as congestion, but also our public transport um, service, particularly with buses, is particularly poor. Rail isn't that brilliant either. Um, And obviously we don't have um, the the connected um, cycle routes that we we need for the safety and ease of movement of cyclists and walkers and it's not just about it's putting in the infrastructure that, that will support all this but also it's about making the place a pleasant place to to cycle and to walk because at the moment it's not very pleasant in lots of places.
2: Marvellous so so Graham you've obviously you've had a a, a good read of the plan What what are your thoughts
0: on it? Yeah, it's a very detailed document. There's a lot of stuff in there and a lot of stuff that I would agree with. I, I just wanted to quote the vision because it seems to me to be quite important. It says, by 2038, Portsmouth will have a people-centred, connected travel network that prioritises walking, cycling and public transport to help deliver a safer, healthier, and more prosperous city. Mm-hmm. The emphasis there is really <laughs> interesting. There, there's the dog
1: that lives on <laughs>
2: I didn't know different. I would suggest that Lynn may have trained her dog to listen for Labour voices. But I, we'll, I was, I,
0: you took the words out of my mouth. We'll, we'll give, we'll give her the benefit <laughs> of the
2: doubt. I seem yeah. to get away with it, Graham. So that's 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 a good news for me. Well, normally
0: you? I do, well, but I, I just forgot So no just, just to say about the thirty. I mean, that's an interesting emphasis because it is saying that, that walking, cycling, and public transport are going to be the the key priorities for the next few years. And I think there are two reasons for that. Really, <clears throat> one is. The climate emergency, we all recognise now that um, climate and carbon issues are a real problem. The government has just recently announced that all petrol diesel uh, vehicles are going to be uh, banned from production from 2030. There's going to be the COP26 conference in November, so the world is focused on this at the moment, and transport is part of that, so transport has to address the issues of carbon, and one of the ways is reducing levels of car use and trying to maximise the uh, cleaner ways of of going about uh, daily transport, because we all use it, we all use transport in all sorts of different ways. I think the second important thing is air quality. We do have an issue with air quality in the city, and um, there's plenty of evidence to... uh, to back that up, I mean, the uh, Royal College of Physicians, for example, produced a report in 2016 called uh, "Every Breath We Take," which highlighted the problems of poor air quality on health. And we had a, a landmark judgment from the coroner, the South London coroner, in December 9, 2020, when he said that the death of a, a, a young child had been a direct that the pollution had been a direct contributor to her death. So. That's unprecedented, and that means that policy has to respond to this. We can't ignore this. Um, So those, I think, are the two key reasons why the strategy is really important and why we need to look at how we can improve our transport system and make it uh, less damaging to our health and to our environment. Do you think the document goes far enough? There's a lot of... Things in there, and I think the key to this will be the pace and the scale of change. You know, can we get the pace and scale of change right? Given that there's going to be an annual review or implementation, I think that's going to be the the, the point at which we look at it. We've also got to be able to give some way of measuring whether what we're doing is having an impact. And that's what I'd be looking for. You know, what, what how are we how are we measuring what we do, and have we in advance thought about how we measure what we do to see if it's having an impact? And if it's not why what can we do about it so I think those are the the key things there really there, there are some things I would do a bit differently um uh, in the sense of bringing things forward I mean I can talk a bit about that if you if you, if you want me to um if we can save that
2: for
1: a minute Graham, yeah. Big okay.
0: yeah so that's 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 what I'm saying it's about pace and scalar implementation is really the key here.
1: So th- there's a lot in the implement. I mean, there's a there's a lot, as you said. There's a lot in the in these set of documents here. And if anybody, mm. I'd invite anybody to go and have a look at them. You can download them um, from the council's website. I mean, I, I got them from the from the agenda details that, um, from from the aborted uh, full council meeting from from Monday. Um, but there is there's a lot in there. Um, the implement there's an implementation plan with a timeline, and it kind of goes into kind of some things in a in a bit specific. So um, obviously we're not going to we're not going to read all that out here. Um, but it but it's it, it it i guess there's there's a lot to try and get across and try to get people um to to see so so lynn what what's what what are the things being you know that are being balanced here in order to in order to achieve the strategic aims of the of, of the piece itself what sort what are well, the kind of things is that is it the the politics of it is it the money sorry. Is it the, sorry go on
4: Go on, no, no, I interrupted.
1: Sorry. No, that's that's all right. So, is, you know, what, what are the sorts of things that are being balanced? Is it the is it is it funding? Is it the political will? Is it the you know the cost politically of uh, of doing things? Because some of these things are um, can be quite contentious and unpopular. What what are the sorts of things being being balanced in order to in order to deliver a, um, a, a greener and healthier city? Well,
4: obviously, an an awful lot of what is planned. Depends on budget, mm-hmm. money being um, or fund funding. Let, let's forget budget budgeting for a minute. Unfortunately, the the LTP funding is not ring fenced, so we get about two and a half million pounds a year. Um, but that is not ring fenced. This year, we're only actually getting a million pounds of it because that's the way the, the council councils sort of, um, have sorted out. So we depend to a large extent on. Um, Putting in bids, I mean, we, we were successful in getting bids under the um, um, uh, Future Cities, um, and uh, we got fifty six million pounds. I mean, that's that's not just for Portsmouth; we sharing it with with um, Gosport and, and, and outside areas as well. Um, but of course, you can you can budget things. You can you can draft out the the, the costs. Um, but if you don't get the funding to, to actually do um, deliver those it makes it difficult which is why it's sort of it, it's it, it everything has got different levels you know and and, uh, and levels we can do this if we have got this much money we can do that if we have got uh, extra money so that is one thing um, so we, we bid for money but we also get grants um, and we can also people think that when we um, when they get fined, you know, for parking in the wrong places, that this is it, it's um what do they call it? Um, Portsmouth Council's um cash cow, you know. And
1: they, well, yeah, I, um, I think I think some people seem to seem to imagine it ends up these those fivers end up in the back of Gerald Vernon Jackson's pocket. Which that's of absolutely. They don't. And in fact, yeah. it
4: all has to go by law into the parking reserve. And the only things that the, the parking reserve money can be spent on is transport-related things. So some of the the, the lesser everyday things. Like not the big issues, but if somebody wants to have a, um, um, a crossing somewhere, is there a crossing somewhere, um, or a one-way street, some, sometimes that money will have to come out of um, someone like the parking reserve if there isn't any other money available. So budgets are, are, are a, a bit of a problem. Um, the political, the political will is certainly there um, to do it, but residents outside there, you you mention. The possibility of taking away parking spaces and they're up in arms so and that of course costs votes, and this is where we have a, a real problem and, and any party will have exactly the same problem um not just the, the lib dems i mean for example we put in um six bike hangers i mean it's an ideal city to have them I in mean, got a lot of them um, houses that open straight out in the street but also the majority of houses have only got small um uh, front um, areas, you know, where they can store a bike, and and the number of emails I had about, they would take each one of those took up a whole parking space, you know, and um, this was shocking gasp, and it it's, it's almost like a capital offence, you know, to take up so we have a problem there, we've got to try and convince um, people to see the bigger picture, which is why we're putting out, I say we, it's the, the administration is putting out in September sort of it's a bit like flagship but it's 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 uh, its about transport so it's actually explaining in, in, in more simple terms and um, the local transport plan and how people can see where they fit into it because yes we've got to um, reduce the number of cars in, in the city which are ever growing the number of cars is forever growing but you have to have alternative methods of transport in order for those people to travel so this is where we need to have a greatly improved and public transport system, we're working with the bus companies. Fortunately, the national bus strategy has recently um, sort of um, come out, and um, the the bus companies are more than willing to um, work with us, and also with the rail companies. So we have to have joint partnerships are an important part of this, because you can't do things alone. And if you you do things with other um, partners, um, that cuts down the cost, but it also gets a fully integrated um, system going. So those are some of the some of the problems that mm-hmm. we, we
1: face. So to, I mean, to a degree, it sounds like trying to um, trying to piece a jigsaw puzzle together with um, with your hands tied behind your back and without a picture to reference it with.
4: Well, we've got the picture. You see, we we've, we've, we've got that set up. We know yeah. exactly what we want to do, what we need to do. That, as I say, will change over time. Because, I mean, yeah. as you know, I mean, technology is changing so rapidly um, that, you know, in five years' time, a lot of what we've been suggesting will probably be out of date and be replaced by something else. Um, but we do have the picture, but it's having um, the, the money to do it um, and also um, taking people along with us. And I think communication and winning hearts and minds. When I was teaching, we used to have a, um, um, an advisor. He used to talk about the wham factor. And uh, winning hearts and minds, you've got to take people along with you. And that takes a lot of convincing when you're trying to get people out of, not out of all their cars, but out of maybe the second car. But you have to have an alternative there. Mm-hmm. And this is where we need to improve. And cycle. I used to cycle um, quite a lot to school um, when I was teaching, uh, but I wouldn't today. I'd be terrified. And um, so we need to have safer routes for people to cycle because there are a lot of people out there who would be willing to cycle. Um, but they're they're too scared to do so so there's a lot of things that need to be put in place in order to achieve what we want
1: lots lots of things there um yes thank you
2: you know you touched on it there you know there's some things that you'd like to see done differently can you just expand
0: on that yes um for example in the strategy in year two there's a bit development of a behaviour change strategy and in some ways that is something we should be bringing forward because if you don't start doing this until the second year of the scheme it's going to take a while to get going. Um, so I think we could do something around that. Um, there was another bit, I think there was the question about the uh, non-residential parking restrictions. Now this is essentially workplace parking charges. That's pushed into the third year before we even start thinking about it. And in some ways, I think one has to have a bit of a sort of, can we say, characteristic? You need to say, well, you know, if people don't do something, we're going to have to implement some changes and Nottingham's done this very successfully. I think the other thing we should do is to give people the information that helps them to make the choices. I'll give you two examples. One is air quality. I have to say, I don't know month to month what, the air quality in Portsmouth is. I know it's not good, I don't really know much about it. It'd be really good if we produced a a sort of report on a monthly basis at the end of the month about what the air quality has been like in the city. This would help people to understand some of the problems. And if you map it across the city in key points, you can say, well, it's not good here, not so good there, really bad there. It would give people a sense of saying, well, now I know what's going on here. Now, just giving people factual information doesn't actually change their minds and behaviour, but they will actually be able to understand what the nature of the problem is and why these things are happening. And it will encourage some people to change their behavior. I think some people will say, oh, yeah, well, maybe I won't take my car out so much because actually this last month it was really, really bad. So, more information would be quite useful and making it clear to people, you know, having some sort of bulletin that goes out where people can find it rather than having to search for the data. Um, Second thing is, Improving the environment of the city and things like low traffic neighbourhoods, this is a proposal that's in the plan and there have been one or two areas have asked for it. But again, I don't think many people know what a low traffic neighbourhood is. They don't know what it is what would happen, how to get one, what the benefits are, what the problems are. And we need to publicize these. We need to tell people what they could what they could do. Because I think once you do that, you'll get people coming forward and say, well, actually, I'd like to try this out in area. The only way you'll get successful change is people buy into that change. And if people then actively look for this and say, yeah, we'd like to do that. It's much better than trying to say, well, I think a low traffic road should go in there. What do you think? They'll say, well, I don't know about that. So we need to get people to buy in. I was in a I was in Albert Road uh, a couple of weekends ago talking with a couple of my colleagues from Central South sea. We were talking about parklets providing um, areas on the pavement or on one of the parking spaces for um, an alternative use to make the street seem a bit better and a lady came up to me and said she lived in uh, some sheltered accommodation far end and she said one of the problems I have is I come shopping in Albert Road but sometimes I don't come out because I need to have a sit down and a break and we said well what other part this could be we'll put a bit of seating there with some plants around it you know they've done it for cafes during the Mm. coronavirus thing where they could actually have an area to sit outside so it's the idea of making the street scene a bit more um pleasant and friendly um we have some areas of, of sort of Sometimes quite large as a payment, which has got nothing on it. There was a corner I saw uh, while I was walking around there that would, and the local business was saying, "Yeah, we could do something for that, make it a bit more attractive." So small things can actually happen, and that I think would help um, because I think the are people are willing to change if they if they uh, if they feel there's an opportunity to do so. So I I, th- I think that's what we could do a bit more. Of. Perfect.
4: Come in on that, um, sure. Because I, I, you're totally right in bringing people with you and I've been saying this for, for ages, that we need to explain things much, much more, which is why we're doing this flagship type. Um, uh, well, it'd be very similar to flagship, just concentrating on transport and getting the message across. And that's going out to every house in, in Portsmouth, and the same as flagship does. So that's one thing that's already in place. Um, the low-traffic neighbourhoods, we've already got some low-traffic neighbourhoods in Portsmouth that happen for a long time. We've got one at the bottom of... Um, my road um, uh, Glenthorne Vernon Avenue and um, Dartmouth Road where each, what, one road is blocked off three. it's it's for residents only there's no through traffic that's the whole point point. and I think those are important things to stress it's not not just a low traffic but it's it's no through roads they do this in, in the Netherlands and they've had it for a long time so that you can have access to your house and obviously deliveries can be can be delivered but you don't uh, you don't have the, the traffic racing through um, particularly using it as a, as a rat run. Parklets, and I totally agree, and we've already done that in, in Fawcett Road, but we were out only a couple of weeks ago in Tangier Road, actually, just down the road from where you live, looking at it um, in, in Tangier Road, and they've been doing the same thing. They're going around um, all the areas and looking at where we can put in things like parklets and benches um, and um, planters to green up the, the place. And, and one of the things that i would like to see happenings that local businesses or people um, take responsibility for for keeping up those planters because then you've got ownership i know i used to run a gardening club when i was teaching and i had a a, a little club and we we made up our own planters and they planted the the planted them up and they looked after them and if anybody touched any one of those flowers they would go ballistic because they were were their plants they put them in so if you have ownership um, it, it helps a lot, but I totally agree with you. Uh, we need to get the, the local community involved a lot more, and we are because people are making um, suggestions which we're acting on. I mean, for example, car clubs is one of the things which we were, we were well into um, introducing, and then COVID hit and we couldn't go any further. And a lot of that came from pressure from some from local residents who said in, in Southsea. So we we listen to people, and that's I think. We, communication is very important and we've got lots of different methods means of of communicating with people and of people com- communicating with us and I think that's very important
1: so I, th- I think um thank you Lynn I think um I mean that kind of teases on to to, to the next question that I was going to was going to ask you was that um I mean the LTP4 um, talks about the consultation that took place up until uh, up until December last year. And you know, over over a thousand responses, um, with people being able to contribute to that um, either over the phone, or and they were advised of it, in, um, as you say, in in flagship, or or able to kind of do it online and stuff. But with them, um, but it kind of seems that, and I, and I don't know, obviously Facebook isn't necessarily a, a fair reflection of of actually what people are, what's actually really happening in the vast numbers of the community. But it kind of seems that every time, whatever the council announce there's always someone saying but you didn't ask me or i didn't hear about this or i didn't i didn't know about this what 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 can be done to kind of improve that that feeling of actually involvement because if we want as you you say and and, and as graham was talking about if we want people to say oh actually that's something i'd like to have done in my neighborhood so it's being led by um being driven by 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 the residents rather than kind of something being done to them it's being asked for by them How, how do you get how, how do you kind of crack that nut of getting getting more people involved?
4: Well we use as many my God, am I on yes I. Yeah. Been, I was still moved. Uh, um, we use as many um, uh, ways of communicating as possible. I mean, there are surveys that that go out um, for example, on the buses themselves, people can can uh, we should obviously relating to um, public transport. Um, we use social media, there are press releases. There have been um, workshops um, and in fact we're looking at one now for um, looking at the the national bus strategy <clears throat> and um, <clears throat> the officers were coming up with you know various people and I said, hang on a minute, why not just use people who use the buses or who don't use the buses and find out why? So it's looking at a, a widespread a dem- demographic and um, spread. So we're using every every possible method, but if people have got other ideas and any other suggestions, we're more than open to them.
1: Your dog's got a suggestion. <laughs>
2: That's perfect. So, just to just to kind of quite often we like to ask this question, which is we refer to it as the magic one question. I'll ask it first to Graham. In terms of of you know a a green transport solution for for Portsmouth if you had a magic wand and you you know irrespective of cost or bureaucracy if there's one change you could implement tomorrow what would it be?
0: Well I think if I had my magic wand um, I would think about cycling but you have to remember not everyone can cycle so I think my top priority would be to have a Bus service and train service that was free for students and free for the elderly, and some and a system that operated on a, a much more frequent basis. So effectively, a publicly owned public transport system, so that we could have frequent services. Uh, we'd pay for it, but keep it fares at sort of fairly low levels based on journey time sorry journey distance um so that it's affordable for, for 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 most people and i think that would make a significant uh difference because if you can just hop on buses when you when you need them it makes it much easier to make those choices
2: i think that's a really great point and if i just give an observation on that it is that i'm actually entitled to a free bus pass and have been for 15 years and I've never bothered to pick it up because the bus service in Portsmouth is so utterly baffling. I have no idea what I'd do with it. So, um, no, I think that's a that's a great suggestion. So, Lynn, in terms of, you, you're sat in the big chair, you've got the magic wand.
4: <clears throat> well, we're about to, to embark on working, but we've already started working with the bus companies because under the National Bus Strategy, they have to provide um, better service Reaching other parts of the city that no bus service um, reaches at the moment, because there are lots of lot of places that are just on the fringe, and and cheaper fares, um, and earlier buses and later buses to serve people on shift work, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that's already happening. Magic one, right? Well, if I had, if it was money was no object, what I would really love to see is um, people who can't afford to bet, buy um, cars that are not um, uh, petrol or diesel, um, um, driven so it could be EV cars or it could be um, um, hydrogen based or people who don't have a car to have enough money if they don't have a car, um, to have free bus passes, um, to, to enable them to, to get around and get to work, um, but also, um, to have the cleaner, um, vehicles on the roads, and um, because that because it's. It's not just, the clean air zone is tackling NO2, which, of course, kills around about 100 people each year just in Portsmouth alone. Um, But it's not tackling, um, um, uh, what's the word I want? Um,
1: The particulates?
4: Particulates, yes, yes. Uh, And that uh, kills even more people um, in the city. Um, So we need to have different forms of of, um, fuel for our, um for our vehicles. And that is money. And we have asked the government um, for help with that scrappage scheme, you know, to get rid of um the 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 really heavily polluting. I mean it's not a free for all, you know, just um, if you fancy an electric car, I'll just give you one. It's it's to it's to replace polluting vehicles because that is one of the big things that's going to clear up um the air. That's only one of many things. I've heard a magic one had
2: had of uh, uh, absolutely, I think you're looking for uh, somewhere between three and 15 wishes but no, thank you for that So, Graham, Lynn thank you ever so much You've been listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast I'm Ian Tiny-Morris
1: And our guests have been Councillor Jeanette Smith, Councillor Lynn Stagg and Councillor Graham Heaney and I've been Simon Sansbury And don't forget We will be taking a break after this show for summer, Um, so we'll see you at the end of August. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. If you want to make sure you get notifications about upcoming shows and get to know when we're live, we normally broadcast live 6.27pm on a Sunday evening, then follow us on Facebook at Pompey Politics Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Pompey Politics One. Please, if you'd like to, feel free to leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and you can even ask Alexa to play the podcast for you Alexa play the latest episode of the Pompey Politics podcast
3: Getting Pompey Politics podcast from Amazon Music Alexa Playing the latest episode
1: Stop. See it's easy